welcome to the award-winning show, Holding Down the Fort, brought to you by U.S. Vet Wealth. A podcast show that focuses on sustaining a fulfilling, a purposeful military life through conversation and community building. I'm Jen Amos, a Gold Star daughter, veteran spouse, and creator of Holding Down the Fort. And I'm Jenny Lynn Stroop, a seasoned military spouse, mom of two boys, and your co-host. Together, we'll converse with special guests from the military community and for the community to share knowledge, resources, and relevant stories on how we can best hold down the fort for ourselves and our loved ones. Now let's get started. All right. Hello, hello, everybody. Jen Amos here. Just wanted to give you some quick, exciting announcements before we get into today's conversation with a past guest, Jessica Silva, in which you can listen to her previous conversation with us with her friends, Teresa and Elaine at episode 94. But until then, here are some announcements. First and foremost, mark your calendars for November 17 at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. (laughs) Now that daylight savings has occurred. I am so excited to be graduating from the Armed Services Arts Program, ASAP for short, graduating from their storytelling boot camp. And so just like in the past, if you have been following our show in chronological order, in the past, I had taken their classes to do my first stand-up during the pandemic via Zoom. So that was a really fun experience and I enjoyed it so much. I decided that I wanted to also take their storytelling boot camp. I'll be performing my piece via Zoom. And if you would like to support myself and my classmates in sharing our stories, check out the website ASAP, ASAP, that's A-S-A-P, A-S-A-P dot org as an organization forward slash attend hyphen the letter A hyphen show. So that's ASAP, ASAP dot org forward slash attend a show with hyphens in between attend a show. And I'll provide that in the show notes for you. I would love to have you there to just watch my performance again via Zoom. And just a little bit about ASAP. ASAP provides free art and comedy classes to veterans, service members, military family members, and caregivers. But they are more than just a classroom. They're inclusive and a thriving community stretching across four states and online. And I am really fortunate to you know, have benefited from their classes and their community here in Hampton Roads. So would love to have your support. Come check it out. Otherwise, feel free to learn more about this amazing organization at ASAP, ASAP.org. The second announcement I want to share is I want to give a special thanks to the Rosie Network last week for inviting me to participate in the award ceremony for the fifth annual Veteran and Military Spouse Entrepreneur Awards. It was really awesome of them. Shout out to Jennifer Jordan and Stephanie and the team for, you know, inviting me back as the media professional of the year 2020 to update the Rosie Network community on, you know, what we have been up to here at Holding Down the Fort, as well as the company I run with my husband, U.S. Vet Wealth, and all the changes that had happened in just one year, you know, since we won this award. And so I was really grateful to congratulate everyone as well as, you know, like I said, share some updates. So I'm going to play the audio clip here just so you can listen in on my opportunity to congratulate this year's award winners. Here you go. Hello, hello. Jen Amos here, creator and co-host of Holding Down the Fort podcast and last year's Media Professional of the Year. I just wanted to take a minute to congratulate all of the 2021 award winners and welcome you to the National Veteran and Military Spouse Entrepreneur Awards family. Becoming an award-winning media professional has provided a ton of recognition and opportunities for our show and myself professionally. Earlier this year, my co-host Jenny Lynch Stroop and I surpassed and celebrated interviewing more than 100 individuals in our community and for our community since summer 2019. Thanks to the waiting list of guests, that we've accumulated from last year's award. I've also been offered many speaking engagements, including two keynote speeches this year. Finally, thanks to all the stories and conversations we've had on our show, my colleagues and I at US Vet Wealth 
the sponsor of Holding Down the Fort podcast, which, by the way, fun fact, was also your 2018 Best Entrepreneur Startup Company awardee when we were formerly called U.S. Vet Life. We've decided to make a sister show called The Spouse Benefit Plan, which will focus on stories and education for military couples wanting to make confident and informed family decisions on the Survivor Benefit Plan. Now that we're family, I invite you to follow our journey at holdingdownthefortpodcast.com or our sister show, thespousebenefitplan.com. If this is what an award has done for me in one year, you best believe it's going to do some great things for you too. I'm excited to see where you will go from here. To my fellow finalists this year that didn't win an award, don't fret. The Rosie Network's got your back, so long as you continue to hustle and stay plugged into this amazing, amazing community. Once again, congratulations to this year's National Veteran and Military Spouse Entrepreneur Award winners. All right, and there you have it. Thanks again to the Rosie Network for all of your incredible work in just helping, first and foremost, more military family members become entrepreneurs, especially our military spouses, and overall just celebrating the good work that our community is doing in society today. Now, if you listened to that audio clip all the way through, you heard it right. Holding Down the Fort now has a sister show called The Spouse Benefit Plan. And what I'm going to do for you is play the intro song to this new podcast. So if you are looking for a new podcast to listen to, or more importantly, you are, you know, reaching transition and you are now being faced with the question, do I keep or opt out of the Survivor Benefit Plan? Take a listen to this intro and this might be something worth subscribing to. So check it out. Hello, hello, Jen Amos here, a gold star daughter, military families advocate, and your host of the Spouse Benefit Plan podcast, where we help career military families make the most important decision before transition to keep or opt out of the Survivor Benefit Plan. This show is intended to be educational and not to be taken as financial advice. To discuss your unique financial situation, reach out to our show sponsor, US Vet Wealth at usvetwealth.com or check out our growing list of resources at our website, thespousebenefitplan.com. Now, let's get into the show. All right. And there you have it. Those are all of my announcements today. Once again, I hope that you will join me for my storytelling bootcamp grad show November 17th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in which you can purchase your ticket at ASAPASAP.org. It is virtual, so it doesn't matter where you are in the world. I would love to have your support. And of course, thanks again to the Rosie Network for allowing me to come back and not just talk about holding down the fort but also the progress we've made at U.S. Vet Wealth, as well as our new sister podcast show, The Spouse Benefit Plan. All right, without further ado, thank you all so much for your patience. Now let's go ahead and catch up with our good friend here, Jessica Silva from episode 94. Enjoy. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the award-winning podcast show, Holding Down the Fort. I am your creator and co-host, Jed Amos. And of course, as always, I have my co-host with me, Jenny Lynch Troop. Jenny Lynn, welcome back. Hey, glad to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. And we are excited because we are actually bringing a past guest back on our show. We have with us today, Jessica Silva, where, as I mentioned, she was on our show back in episode 94, which was titled Sisterhood, Mental Health, and Thriving in Chaos with Elaine Brewer, Teresa Schick, and Jessica Silva. And a little bit about Jessica. She has been a military spouse for 22 years and currently navigating the post-military life, being two years out now. She is an instructor for the O2X Human Performance Workshops and author of the children's book, Daddy's on a Chip. Without further ado, Jessica, welcome back to Holding Down the Fort. Thank you very much for having me back. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I thought I'd check in with you because when we first checked in with you and Teresa and, and Elaine, all three of you were just freshly out of the military. And so I know it's only been about two years for you so far, but how has that experience been for you to be living the post-military life? It's been a huge adjustment and I think it's still happening. You know, my husband and I see each other a lot more and mm-hmm. that's different. <laughs> and there's a lot of mental unpacking to be done for both of us. We always think of the military member as the one that's having, you know, has PTS or is having reintegration issues or whatever. But honestly, it is both of you. And it's a huge shift for the spouse as well. And I don't think there's enough attention really drawn to that issue. We're always, you know, the military member has problems or issues getting back to civilian life. But honestly, it's both of us. So we've been working on it. We live in the woods with 26 acres and we just got some chickens and so we have nature and a very tiny town next to us and it's definitely good for my husband's mental health to be away from people Mm. and it's hard for me because I like people so it's a big adjustment for both of us but you know we're getting into our new paradigm and we're motivated with each other we're not fighting each other while we're doing it it's a team effort, and that's really helpful. Plus, we're empty nesters, which makes life easier because I don't have to deal with school-age children, you know, finding a new place for them and, and a new network of friends and, and activities and stuff. So it's a lot easier for us now. Yeah, I think that, you know, of all the changes that happen in post-military life, that must be one thing you're extremely grateful about is not having to worry about the kids and helping them get reintegrated or establish a new normal for them. Like you two, you and your husband can really solely focus on you guys as a couple and what that means for you in post-military life. Yeah, it's huge in the therapy department too. We both got boxes to unpack internally. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now there's not the distraction of kids or military or deployment and now I'll, it's still there. It didn't forget. And so now it's popping its head out. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> there's, you know, issues sometimes, at, but we know they're coming or we know what to look out for. So we've learned that in the past couple of years for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Jenny Lane, I know you and Matthew always try to work as a team as much as possible. And so I'm curious if you have any thoughts so far. Oh, man. I mean, I am not surprised by anything she's saying, having (laughs) done this for 12 and a half years now, like I'm not surprised that there are many boxes to unpack both literally and figuratively as you transition out of the military. It's something that I hope, you know, because I work in mental health and I'm an advocate of mental health that we are able to navigate well in the coming years because we've spent a lot of time trying to unpack all those things while we're in it, right? Somebody recently asked, you know, my husband's getting ready to retire. What, you know, what do I need to do? And we were talking about, you know, retirement pay and DFAS and and stuff like that. And I was like, start therapy now. Mm. (laughs) That was my (laughs) advice. Like, yeah, the the retirement, the, the SVP, all that stuff. And, you know, that's hard to navigate too, but everybody needs to start therapy now. Like you as a couple, maybe you individually, because you don't know what day it's going to happen, but things are going to start popping out of there. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I I think, (laughs) yeah. And I know Jenny Lynn can attest to that and being in the space she is in, in regards to mental health advocacy. And I know that, you know, in our last conversation in episode 94, you and Teresa and Elaine spoke so much about the importance of mental health. So I appreciate you bringing that up as a, as a tip, especially one of, one of the many things you need to do as you transition is to get therapy. <laughs> What's a big shift? I mean, I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I've heard you guys bring it up in previous podcasts too. And I love that about you too, is that, I mean, Jason has been in the military for a long time. And when we first started, it was, you know, don't ask questions. Um, don't call here. Don't ask your husband about what he does. Mm. And so that was just the theme. And so I never did ask questions or, or whatever. So by like 2007, 2008, they started saying a word that I'd never heard before, resiliency. Mm. So we were behind the curve already. And so now the new generation coming up has a chance to really get ahead of the game by accepting that you need life assistance. And you only get the one life and you're not going to do it right all the time the first time. And so getting help with that throughout your life, whether you're having issues or not, is never a bad thing. So I love how you guys advocate for 
therapy and talking to each other and talking to someone specific. And I love that. So thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's our pleasure. And I remember in our conversation, Elaine had brought up like partly why it was so difficult to bring up issues amongst, you know, your spouse is because you wanted to make sure that the service member was deployable. But still, either way, we need to have an outlet to be able to, you know, talk about these issues and what have you. So, you know, I really appreciate you, you know, having been a military spouse for as long as you had been to, you know, go through what you and Jason went through to be in a space now to even encourage, you know, mental health and to get a therapist, you know, before you transition, I think is powerful. And it's important too, if you want to stay married. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I, I remember one thing that you brought up, Jessica, in our last conversation is that the main thing that all three of you have in common is that y'all still married, you know, after this whole time. And, and I think it's a test. I mean, the way that you are speaking to us today and how you spoke before and the fact that you listened to the show, it tells me how intentional you had been this whole time being in the military and how intentional you want to be with your husband. So I just want to say kudos to you both. Thanks. Um, it's very few people that in our friend circle or in our community that are still married and it's a shame, or, and that still like each other. I mean, you could stay married for the kids or whatever, but yeah, we still like each other and we're still, you know, on the same team and that's rare and it's not always been that way. You know, we've almost been divorced a couple different times, so Mm. it's not like it's been the easy road, but I'm proud of the fact that we still like each other. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. If you can make it that far in life and still like each other, I think you've done something right. (laughs) And that's a lesson to all young couples, (laughs) including me. (laughs) I want to check in with Jenny Lynn real quick, see if you had anything you wanted to add. Well, she can't see all my head shaking because she called in, but I've literally <laughs> nodded at everything she said because, I mean, you won't find a bigger advocate for mental health than me based on my experience as a military spouse. If I lived a different lifestyle, I don't know that this is what would be the thing that resonated with me most, but it is because of what we've been through and the things we've done as a family and as a couple. And, you know, I was reminded as Jessica was talking about like one of the, <laughs> one of the biggest fights my husband and I got in after his deployment to Afghanistan was that I had sat through a pre-deployment brief for the deployment that was before the Afghanistan deployment. And one of the major talking points was like, don't tell your service member anything bad that's going on at home. Like they need to be solely focused on the mission and you can't let them know that anything is happening. And so, I mean, we did two back-to-back deployments and like, you know, I read back through our emails and it's like, the kids went to the park today. Like Luke said his first word, you know, all these very like, everybody's fine. (laughs) kind of things, you know, and we did two back to backs and he came home and he's like, like, why, like, what's up with you? Like, why are you frustrated all the time? Like, you know, what happened to the person I married? And I'm like, I went through two deployments back to back with a baby and a toddler that you know nothing about. And he's like, well, why don't I know anything? And I'm like, because they told me not to tell you. And he was like, wait, who's they and what's happening? And I was like, literally a pre-deployment brief was don't tell them anything. And he fought me so hard. He was like, that should have been my decision. You know, Mm. I can't believe you didn't tell me all these things and saw it as like keeping information from him. I mean, which essentially it was, but I was doing it out of like, out of service to him. This is what I was told. This is the rule for being the military spouse. I mean, and we would every couple of years circle around to that same argument. Like, well, if you had told me, you know, we probably wouldn't be doing this right now. Fast forward four years and he's walking through the exchange, picks up like Navy Times or some magazine or some military magazine and brings it home because there is an entire article on don't tell your spouse hard things and why. And he hands it to me like not even a little chagrin. And I lost it. I was like, see, it's in print. Like this is six (laughs) years after we deployed and this is like in print. It's still a thing. And you know, what that experience taught me was that like we as a couple and we, and we have worked through this in counseling together 
and separately is that, you know, we've really in a lot of ways have to define what bad news looks like for us, what hard looks like for us, because he came back from two back-to-back deployments and felt like he knew nothing about us. And similarly, I mean, we didn't really know anything about him. Like I actually probably knew more about him than he knew about me because you could follow the command Facebook page and like (laughs) see where they were going and what they were doing. Right. But like, I was so in the weeds with toddlers and babies that, you know, if there were pictures of me on Facebook, it's because my mom or my sister posted them. Not because I was like doing social media all that well. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to recover from that lack of intimacy too, because I mean, they don't know what's going on in your life, your kid's life, and you don't know what's going on in their life because they're working. And I remember when we had casualties too, most of the casualties we had, my husband was gone for. Mm. And so we dealt with it at home. He quote unquote dealt with it where he was. And by the time we got home, it was over. It had been done for months. And so there was really no recovering and getting back to that conversation there's no real good time, you know, over dinner, like, so about that casualty that occurred. So you never really recover that intimacy throughout their active duty career. Or if you are able to, it it takes a lot of work and depends on what they're doing and depends on what's going on at home as well. It's hard with so much back and forth. And I think that's where for us, like couples counseling has been such a blessing because that's really what we were lacking. We are great partners. Like, business partners. Like we know who's who and what's what and who does this and who does that. And he's got the trash and I've got the bills. And like, we are great partnering and parenting, but intimacy is difficult. And it really did take good help, good, solid counseling help. And, you know, and the support of like having a good babysitter and relying on friends to really kind of get back to that. Oh, we do like each other and we do want to spend time together so that you know, we could create, like rebuild that, not just like bedroom intimacy, but like just that intimacy of vulnerability with one another, which was lacking after many back-to-back deployments. For sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, I think this was like a great way to, you know, open up our conversation is really the, you know, what goes on or what, what military couples what we encourage them to do, you know, to stay connected, to stay on the same page with things really. And like you said, Jessica, and I'm glad that you listened enough to the show to know that we are really big on mental health here on our show. Yeah, I want to go ahead and transition. So when we spoke with you and Elaine and Teresa, I only hinted at the book that you had published oh so long ago, back in 2006, titled Daddy's on a Chip. And, you know, now that we're talking to you directly, I would love to you know, dive into this book specifically and talk about like why you decided to put this book together, publish it and, you know, kind of the impact of it. So let's first start off. What compelled you to write this book? Well, it was actually back in 2006. So my kids were young, let's see, 10 and four. Mm. And so 9-11 had happened. There had been a couple of different uh, deployments already. And I didn't realize that this is what I was marrying into because when we got married, it was all training trips, you know, and like Korea and Guam and, you know, easy stuff. And then when we got married and had another kid and we're in Virginia and all this, and I was working as a 911 operator at the time mm. and 9-11 happened, everybody all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the shiz hit the fan and real life started happening. And I don't think I had foreseen that at all. I mean, I knew what he did. He's a Navy SEAL, right? But I, I don't think I really knew what that meant until I was living it. Mm. So I wasn't sleeping. He would deploy and it was way back in the day. So we actually shared an email address. And Mm. we had very little communication because it was so early in the 2000s. Technology was not like it was today was what it is today. We would actually eventually have video conferences that the command would set up where you would sign up for a time, you would go to the command, they would put you into their video conference room, and you would get 20 minutes with your guy. And you know, everybody else is watching. So that was Mm. really hard for me. So communication wasn't that great. We didn't get a lot of phone calls. Things were very new in, you know, warfare. And I wasn't sleeping. 
and probably none of us were sleeping. I wasn't the only one. So I was on shift work, 911 is shift work. So sometimes you have day shifts, sometimes you have evening shifts, sometimes you're on midnight. And so there's all this upheaval in our home trying to get childcare, et cetera. So when I wasn't sleeping, I ended up writing. Mm. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that, that has that, that outlet when, you know, some people journal. And my kids were always asking what I thought were just the dumbest questions. Like, they don't get it. They don't know what dad does. They've barely been to where he works. They don't understand the concept of military, et cetera. And so they ask all these wackadoodle questions. And <laughs> yeah. especially when you're strung out, you're tired, you're stressed because you're single parenting, you're worried about your person. And so I just, I just started writing this stuff down. My daughter had taken art lessons at the time, and I ended up hiring her art teacher, who was a graphic designer, to do the, the illustrations for me. And my husband, he bless him, because he totally believed in me, and he put up his reenlistment bonus for mm. me to self-publish. So it wasn't a huge hit, because the military community is very small. Special operations is even smaller. And so I still have like 300 of them in my basement, but mm. it was a fantastic outlet for me. It kept me sane. My kids loved it. I did some United through meetings at local military schools and daycares. So it was a good outlet and, you know, I'm never going to make any money off of it, but I'm glad I did it. I would do it again. Yeah, I think just like what you said, the key word is outlet in a time where, you know, you weren't sleeping and you're only way of, of coping was writing and then also dealing with the kids asking these interesting questions. <laughs> I like how you <laughs> took that entire experience and put it into a book because even if it's not a bestseller, you know, it was enough for you, you know, to get through that time and in a way capture that time frame in the life of you and, and your kids. I mean, writing when you can't sleep, isn't that what we all do? <laughs> I have many thousands and thousands of words either on my computer or in a journal for, you know, the same reasons and have also cataloged my children's best expressions. Um, that's, those are the days I'm grateful for. Facebook memories where they remind me of the funny things my kid says. That's usually where those are, but... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, military life definitely gives you a lot of things to write about <laughs> and a lot of hours to think about it. I mean, as we both mentioned, like we're often the only adults in the house and you can only watch so much Netflix. Like there's only <laughs> so much TV or zoning out you can do before, at least for me, before that becomes just such an anxiety inducing experience that it has to go somewhere. And for me, it goes on a page and sounds like similarly with Jessica, that was where it went. That's funny that you mentioned that. I made the mistake one deployment of watching the Black Hawk Down. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Terrible mm. idea. Don't ever do that. <laughs> yeah, I've pretty much sworn off all war movies at this point, even from like World War II, which is an era I love to read about, but can't like, I don't watch the news. I can't watch military movies. It's just don't read military books, like, can't do it. You gotta just watch a lot of documentaries. Yeah, I watch a lot of rom-coms. I'm much more of an escapist. I'm gonna read a whole lot of fiction and watch a whole lot of rom-coms because the reality of real life is enough drama for me. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you guys, you know, sharing that and kind of like what you need to do to like unplug in a sense. You know, lately, actually for me too, I've been very much into like sitcoms as of late. And actually, Jenny Lynn, when you brought up Schitt's Creek, I actually binge watched that, like, I think in an entire weekend. Like, I love that <laughs> show so much. I am going to watch it a second time around just because I really loved like the humor and the comedy and just the way that the show went. Like, it was, it was absolutely amazing. But um, anyway, I just, wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure I, I add my piece into that. <laughs> Ew, David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Jessica, I, first of all, I love that your book was a quick read. I mean, I guess as an adult, that should be obvious. But, you know, in thinking of my own experience as a military child for the first 10 years of my life, like I, I really resonated with a lot of the things that you addressed. I, I really like how you took a lot of these 
innocent comments, I think, from, you know, your kids into the book, like such as like, oh, what is, you know, what's a, what's a chip? Are, are they talking about chocolate chip, you know? And, and, you know, is daddy like protecting the chips, the chocolate chips from people? And, and then also like, oh, is he, is he uh, you said like, oh, he's a seal. Does that mean that he likes fish and chips? <laughs> like, just like the kind of, there's just the innocence of that, that you address like early on. I, I think I, I think was really, um, I really, I really liked that. And I thought it was adorable. And also I thought it was interesting, you know, the way that you described just the parental roles in your kids' lives, like from the mom being like very fast paced and kind of like go, go, go. And then when dad's home, it's very like relaxing and slow paced. And, you know, the fact that the kids can pick that up really early. Like I, when I reflect on even my own parents in the military, like very much the same experience. I'm like, oh, dad's home. Like in a weird way, I almost favored him over my mom. And of course, I've learned to appreciate her later in life. But like, you know, whenever dad was home, it was time to chill. It was time to take it easy. And he was my favorite because he never judged me and he was always supportive. And I think it's great how you were able to capture, you know, the experiences of your kids and speak from what it sounds like your eldest daughter, you know, to tell the story from a child's perspective. It amazed me, like some of the things that they would say, like, you really don't get this, do you? And to <laughs> see it from their perspective, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but just their, their perspective, like they have no life experience with which to see the situation. So it is good for adults, I think, to take a step back and get back to that simplified view of things, you know, for all of us and, and not just military, but to kind of take a step back and be like, huh, how does this really look to them? Because I think that really does color your actions as a parent and, and also trying to explain age appropriately, um, which I was never good at. I was just like, <laughs> well, here's how it is. <laughs> here's what's happening. They never got that, you know, the chance to be ignorant for very long because I just didn't have the patience <laughs> to try to find a way to explain it. So, like, mommy doesn't have time. Like, here's how it's happening. Yeah. But I think it is good for us to kind of look at it from a different perspective, from have a little bit, of, a capture a little bit of that innocence for those little people in our lives. Yeah. The part that really stuck with me was um, when the daughter said that she was doing her best for you by being a big helper, you know, in the house. And that actually resonated with me because even though I'm not the eldest, I was the eldest daughter. And so my mom had leaned against me a lot in the military life and even in post-military life. And so I like how you captured that as well, sort of that mindset of like, as the eldest, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to do my part to help mom, you know? And I think that it's hard to teach kids empathy, I think, in that way. And so it's, it's kind of nice for you to have captured that moment, you know, and captured that her personality, in a sense, and how she knew that she knew that she was capable of contributing to the household. Yeah. And I mean, now that she's older, she's 25 now, you know, I can look back on that and like, wow, I must have put a lot on her. And that probably wasn't the best parenting move, you know, to, to put that responsibility on a child. But, you know, it's done now. Nothing yeah. I can do about that now. But I think it did give her also a purpose, you know, like, but when, like you were saying, Jen, when my husband did come home, I think that she took that as a relief of duty, for mm. sure, because it was time to chill and play and be a dork and run around and jump on the trampoline with dad. And, but I know that, you know, as spouses, our roles change when the service member comes home, but also you don't really realize, but the kids' roles change as well. Yeah. I mean, you just made me have a light bulb moment <laughs> just now. So thank you for sharing that. You know, Jenny Lane, obviously you are a writer and you love writing and you love books. So I just want to see if you had any thoughts. I loved all the kid talk in there. It were, I mean, I now have an upper elementary schooler and middle schooler. So their ability to say words incorrectly is far less than it used to be. And I just love like the sweetness of the story. But in talking about it, I mean, I'm so much reminded of two things. Like one, when my husband and I were first dating, I was a teacher and I had one military child in my class. And I remember having a parent teacher conference with his dad, who was the military member, because the child had, you know, never could find his homework, never could find like all these things. And we had this whole conversation. The dad was like super military, like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to, you know, we're going to get. And the kid came back the next day and I was like, where's your homework, man? 
And he's like, <laughs> what homework? And I'm like, your dad was literally here for like 30 minutes yesterday. You know, like what he said, you were going to bring me all the papers. You, I mean, he goes, oh yeah, we went four wheeling. And I went home and told Matthew, I was like, you never get to be fun dad. Like that cannot be, I don't care like where the Navy takes you. Like you don't get to be fun dad because then I'm always going to be like militant mom. And he was like, okay. Like, I mean, and literally we were dating and he was looking at me like I had three heads, but you know, as we've been married and had children and gone in this military life, like, I mean, so many times he's been fun dad. And I, you know, I do often wonder and can see on my kids' faces, like, oh, geez, there's mom again. Like she's going to make a few chores. (laughs) Dad's home. Yay. Like we get, you know, we get some relief from that. And even the other night, yeah, my husband's on an underway and (laughs) I was like saying prayers with our kids that night. And my oldest goes, you know, and I just, I hope daddy has a good rest and I have a good rest and Luke has a good rest. Amen. (laughs) And my internal voice was like, what the, like, hello, I'd like a good rest. Like I'm here picking up like, don't rest all the parenting slack. Like I work full time. I made you dinner. Like WTF man, like what is happening? And it is, I mean, it is, it's just perspective. Like deep down, I know that they appreciate having the stability of the parent that stays. And also some days that's really hard to pick up on from them that they know that you're doing your best. (laughs) I do have to point out here, like serious note, if that changes, that's like a red flag. So my Mm. husband was fun dad for many years, you know, he'd come home and and jump right back in. And then the time it took him to jump right back in took a little longer and a little longer and a little longer. And I remember one time he had just gotten home a week or so before. And my son, it was bedtime and I was done for the day. And he is just pushing my buttons. And I sent him to bed and I came down and I was like crying because I was tired and angry and overwhelmed. And I told my husband, you know, Jacob did this. I don't even remember what he did now, but he just pissed me off. And my husband went upstairs, grabbed my son by his ankle, took him out of bed, and my son peed his pants. And oh, so wow. he stopped being fun dad gradually, and I didn't notice because the life was so fast-paced and things were happening so quickly, and, and you don't pay attention like you should sometimes because you just don't have the capacity. And so when that changes, you got to pay attention because we did not catch it at that point. Wow. So, and nobody talks about it, you know, and if you've not done that before, like we didn't live that life before. So, you know, I, I didn't have anybody tell me, Hey, that's not normal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you know, thank sorry, you. Sorry, I just took you down a, a little dark rabbit hole. Sorry. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you. Actually. I, I think it's important to, you know, share that perspective and in a way it kind of, it gives me perspective thinking like, yeah, maybe if mom, mom was a bad cop and dad was always a good cop, but now you're helping me understand like, you know, if it changes though, that's probably not a good thing. You know, the fact that it took me maybe 20 years later to appreciate, you know, the thankless sacrifices of my mom, but you know, no matter what, she was able to create that safe environment, you know, either way. And so, you know, just thank you for sharing that because that could be the reality sometimes that happens at home. Jenny Lynn, just want to see if you had any thoughts. So many thoughts. Yeah, for us, it was kind of the other way. I think any shift in behavior is cause for concern. For us, it looked the other way where my husband and I had mostly been on the same page about this is how we parent and this is how we do things. And then, you know all of a sudden one day he's like super fun dad and we like ignore all of the routines and all of the things for the sake of escapism. Mm -hmm. That for us was like the, well, for me, it was like the, hmm, something here is not okay. Like we used to both think that kids should do chores and, you know, whatever it was, we were on the same page about all of a sudden one day, like he was so glaringly fun dad to my routine ritualistic, like everything has a place. And we do things at certain times because we have kids on a nap schedule. And he was like, let's go do all the fun things. Like for me, it was like, 
Oh, hmm. Something is happening. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but something is happening. Yeah, it's yeah. a huge deviation in behavior. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Jessica, fast forward to today, you know, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, your kids are now adults and you're, you know, you and Jason are empty nesters and you're, you know, really navigating this post-military life at least two years now at this point. How is your relationship with your kids now? You know, like from when you got this book done to now how they are as, as adults? Yeah, well, I think we've all changed. And when one person changes it, it creates change in everybody else. So I don't know who changed first and created change in each other or just it's all happening simultaneously. But um, my son is in the army now. He's been in for two years. He's Mm. up in Alaska. And my daughter, she's 25. She lives in Santa Cruz in California. She's an artist there and working at a graphic design company, architect firm. And, you know, just they're trying to find their way. And I love it personally because I don't have to watch what I say anymore. And I don't have to tell anybody what to do. I don't have to have anybody cleaning their room. So the relationship is much different because I'm not momming them like, you know, I'm not the authoritarian anymore. They're on their own. They're doing their own thing. And so when we talk, it's not like, why didn't you do these three things that I asked you to do? It's more like, what have you been up to? So we're, we're like friends now. And I love it. People were like, oh, you're going to, you're going to miss them and empty nesting is a bummer. And I'm like... (laughs) I'm different. I love it. I yeah. love that they're, yeah, I love to hear about their successes and their, their failures and what they're up to and their ideas about life. And they're different than mine. And I, I love that too. And my husband's more involved. You know, he knows mm-hmm. what's going on in their lives. He talks to them more often. He doesn't just call home and talk to all of us at once. He can talk to them individually and, and they can talk to him because they're adults now and they call and ask advice and, mm-hmm. My son is in the military too, so he calls and they talk about gear and ops and all that military stuff. And I think we're way more involved in each other's lives as a family than we were when he was active duty, honestly. My husband and I have the focus now that we can apply to our children that I wish we had had, you know, 15, 20 years ago, but that wasn't to be because the pace off tempo was just so fast mm-hmm. that it, it wasn't possible. So. Yeah, I love that we're we're more involved in all all up in each other's business now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really love that. Like you said, you could just be friends with your kids now and or your adult children, and they're living their own lives. And it just sounds like everyone is in a, a wonderful season of of their lives right now. And you guys can really just focus on enjoying each other and checking in with each other and asking each other for advice as opposed to depending on each other the way that you guys did in military life. That all sounds very lovely. And I mean that in the, like, I'm like, oh, wow, people that like check in and everybody that like wants to, I mean, we're still very much in the messy middle of active duty life with kids and sports and underways and deployments and all the things. And I, I am hopeful that we get to the other side of this military life, one, both still liking each other and also being those people that our kids want to call and hang out with or want to call for advice or, you know, to talk through. We have no idea at this point if our children will want to go military. Right now, they think that, you know, being MLB players is really in their future. So (laughs) we'll see how that works out. (laughs) I was never a believer in being friends with your kids when they're young that's not a relationship that I agreed with um, Mm. because you're there to teach them things you're their teacher you're their guide you're not their friend but now it is really lovely to have that which and they love it too because I'm not telling them what to do anymore I think they they really enjoy that (laughs) (laughs) for sure yeah I, I love that and I love like I mentioned I love the season that you all are now in as a family So now that you are in post-military life, we were talking a little bit about this offline, but I figured you can share some parting advice to, you know, people who are in transition. So feel free to share the story that you mentioned offline in regards to speaking to people who, you know, let's say retire and move to a non-military space. Tell us a little bit about that story and what lessons or advice you want to share if people end up in that situation. Absolutely. I was not a very good military wife in the fact that I did not get 
transfer in, into just riding my husband's coattails. I think that's an awful way to be a military spouse. Your husband or your, your wife is in the military, not you. Um, mm-hmm. And while it is really important to have that community because you have like people with like situations and you bond with those people, and I think that's very important. But I think it's also really important to have interests outside of the military and people that you know outside of the military because the military does not last forever. And you may not live near those people forever. And and while Teresa's foundation is really good about trying to build that community after post-military, I think that all you have is your your spouse's military career that you're engaged in. When he gets out, so do you. And then you both have nothing going on. And then you're both floundering and he's trying to find maybe a different career or something new, but so are you. So if you don't have those other special interests, for me, it was search and rescue. I was a canine handler. I trained up a dog and I went looking for missing persons and downed aircraft. And and I had that whole other section of community. So I'm still friends with those dog handlers. I'm still, you know, talking to people from that portion of my life. And if I had wanted to, I, when I moved to Colorado, I could have probably engaged in search and rescue out here. So it gave me something that I had, yeah. you know, after military life ended that I could get involved in. So I feel like that's just so important to have those additional interests. And your military tribe is so important because they're the only ones that know the kind of weirdo that you are and <laughs> accept you for that weirdo. <laughs> I'm not going to downplay that relationship at all. I'm in the car right now with my friend Stacy, who we've been weirdos together for many, many years, and her husband's out as well. She lives in Jersey, and I live in Colorado, and we're we're able to see each other today. So, but yeah, have those added interests, so so you're not both like freaking out after after he gets out of the military. Yeah, I think that is wonderful, wonderful advice. I think you know, often when my husband and I talk to people, when we talk to like prospective clients for our business, there's often, it's kind of like, we usually talk to people when they're right at transition and they're kind of like, you know, a deer staring at headlights, you know, their lives are about to flip and turn upside down. And I think even just starting early on, just like what you said in our conversation, like seeking out therapy and also having interests outside of the military while you're in the military, I think could help alleviate a part of that stress and feeling like, you know, your life is about to, you know, turn upside down, as I said. So I really appreciate that advice. And I don't think, actually, I think you're really the first person to share this on the show, as far as I'm concerned, right? <laughs> right, right, generally, I don't think anyone else has shared that. No? Yeah, we talk about community. Um, sorry, I was calculating episodes. Yeah, I mean, I think what's really important about this is we often talk about community. And I, I am often the first one to say, like, I love being a military spouse and the community that I have there, but I 110% agree with, and you have to have it elsewhere. Like I am not one dimensional in my community. I have a lot of military spouse friends and they are my people. They do know the ins and outs of the crazy this lifestyle brings, but I mean, I'm in a writer group and I have church friends and I have neighborhood friends and I have friends I grew up with and like, All of those are so very important because as we've talked about multiple times just today, like this will end. And when it does, like, especially I know what we talked about offline was like, what happens when you move back home to like where you grew up and where you grew up isn't a military town or you pick somewhere where you can buy a lot of land and live out in the country and, you know, it's population 12 and none of them were military, but you like, it's hard. That's- it's hard that nobody understands where you've been and what you've done. And I mean, the town that I live in is like 1,300 people right now. So mm-hmm. I, my friend group is ladies that are all like 15, 20 years older than me. And we go hiking to different areas around. <laughs> Love it. And, um, <laughs> they're just these old ladies. They can, it's at 10,000 feet altitude and they are hardy. They are hardy ladies. But, you know, nobody knows where you've been, what you've done and where you're coming from and that is very stressful because you're like nobody understands me you know except your husband who maybe still doesn't all the way understand you (laughs) and and it's really hard to to keep that feeling of community when you don't live near your community so that's why I really love um, what Teresa's doing with her pillar foundation but um 
yeah, but it, it also is a blessing in disguise because it forces you to uh, expand a little bit and make friends and work those muscles that maybe you don't really want to work. But in the end, I think it is really beneficial to get out there and, in a non-military community and, and find that there is life besides military out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, Jessica, I really appreciate and admire your self-awareness, where you've been on your military journey to where you are now in post-military life. I want to thank you so much for, you know, being on our show again and checking in with us and talking a little bit about your book, Daddy's on a Chip. And some people might think, is she saying ship as an S-H-I-F or S-H-I-P? It's like, no, I'm saying C-H-I-P. And if you do check out the book, if you do reach out to Jessica and check out the book, you'll know why. (laughs) It's titled (laughs) Daddy's on a Chip. But Jessica, before we wrap up here, any other closing thoughts before we go? Yeah, just um, thanks again for doing what you guys do. It is really helpful. I mean, obviously, my husband's not in the military anymore. I still listen to your show. I still learn things. I still, you know, get access to interesting people and love that people are being creative and even through COVID, you know, forming foundations and programs, and it's awesome. And I think for the the active duty families now, they are really, really benefiting from that. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's our it's Thank our you. pleasure. It's from you. Not always been that way, right? Facts. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is a great way to close the show. I'm appreciative of all the conversation today and the reminders of community both near and far and military and non we're good yeah for sure yeah and just to add upon you know the more that i mean with all the conversations that we've had on the show i'm acknowledging that we are in a generation where the military gets a lot of good press and so i am very grateful to be in this time frame to you know celebrate the military community and amplify our stories as well as encourage you know mental health because i know you know firsthand jessica that that hasn't always been the case so before we go jessica if people do want to get a hold of you how can people find you if they want to buy the book there's a jessica silva books on etsy or they can email me and you have my email if you you have show notes you want to put that in but yeah Awesome. Thank you again, Jessica and Jenny Lynn. And to our listeners, we very much, I mean, I very much enjoyed this conversation today and I hope that you did too as a listener. And with that said, we'll chat with you in the next episode. Tune in next time. We hope that you enjoyed today's conversation. Get access to our show notes and subscribe to our newsletter by checking out the details of this episode on your preferred podcasting platform or visit our website, holdingdownthefortpodcast.com. And while you're on holdingdownthefortpodcast.com, be sure to follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or our YouTube channel. If you got a lot of value from today's conversation, kindly leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or leave us a recommendation on our LinkedIn profiles. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time.